Hello, and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 154. I'm Kip Clark, and joining me in the studio today, we have a returning guest, Leland Holcomb. Hey Kip, how are you? I'm doing very well, thanks. How are you? Doing great, doing great. Happy to be here. And I'm really happy to have you here because you and I just watched a documentary, per the request of a listener actually, entitled Cowspiracy that looks at our environment and ecological issues as they relate to agriculture and specifically livestock. And so, of course, because it is a film, we will spoil some of the details that the director and producer, Kip Anderson, discusses. But before we get into that territory, what would you say about the film to someone who might be interested? And would you recommend that audience members of ours who have not seen it go watch it? Well, to start, it's a documentary that covers the agricultural business in America specifically, but also across the world and and how the agricultural business is done and how it affects the environment in particular. I'd say it's interesting to watch. They bring up a lot of statistics. They speak with a lot of different organizations in particular. And it's always interesting to hear their perspective on the issues of climate change more broadly, and then also seeing how they focus on agriculture or if they do at all. And I think it brings up some good questions to think about. It tells you a way of living that might help the environment more than you typically hear. It also brings up in the film that you mostly hear about making what I consider carbon emission changes. So shutting off the lights, driving less. But it also brings up the fact that we could do a lot more by focusing on agriculture. And so I definitely would recommend somebody watch it. It brings up a lot of great questions and makes you think quite a bit. I agree. I would also recommend someone go and watch it. I really enjoyed it. And whether or not it's factually accurate, which is a bit tricky, I do think it raises, like you said, a number of great questions that are worth considering. One of which that really stood out to me is the idea of a water footprint. And Kip Anderson talks about how concerned he is and has been about ecological issues. And so he was taking brief showers and not using the water faucet when he didn't need to, etc., etc., to try and conserve water, but later found information that suggested it takes 660 gallons of water to produce a single hamburger because of all the water that goes into feeding cattle, but also the water required to raise grain or other nutrients that the cattle eat. And this fact to me was really interesting, because although it may not be as stark as Anderson would like it to seem to support his very grim and urgent argument, there are a lot of hidden facts and costs associated with the food that we eat that we may not think about, transportation, refrigeration, production, etc., And I think most of us don't really think about where our food comes from. We don't want to. There's the old adage about sausage factories because people don't like to picture or really know some of the grotesque or vivid details associated with their food. And I also think there's a cognitive dissonance in understanding that a single patty of meat in front of you required so much water to be produced. Do you think that dissonance presents an issue in discussing these topics because we as people might find it hard to actually conceptualize what Anderson and others in the documentary are trying to explain? Absolutely. I think it's one of the focuses of the film, just actually trying to remind people of what it means to have meat on a plate and to eat meat and to eat the nine ounces of meat a day that the average American eats. Because I think a lot of people, I know for myself that's the case, aren't as connected with the food that they eat. I don't produce the food that I eat, therefore I don't understand the externalities that are associated with the food that I eat. 
how much water you need for a cow, for instance, or how much grain you need to feed those cows or pigs. That was one of the main focuses of the film was just to have people understand that there is a lot that goes into this process and a lot that hurts our environment from this process. And it's certainly a cognitive dissonance because you see it everywhere. I mean, everybody's eating meat all the time. So it's not something that you're thinking could be bad because everyone's doing it. But the point of the film is that because everyone's doing it, it's really protected. And you've got these subsidies for the agricultural community because this is something that everybody benefits from, eating meat. And right there, we get back into the numbers game surrounding many of the issues in the film that there are simply, I think Anderson would argue, and at least I personally feel, too many people on Earth. And I'm not proposing a purge or similarly grotesque genocide of mass quantities of people, but we need to consider the fact that, as the film notes, in 1812, there were about 1 billion people on the planet, a century later, 1.5 billion, and in the early 21st century, we're looking at 7.5, 8 billion people on the planet, which is just difficult to, one, comprehend, and I think that's why change can often be so hard to enact, because We can't even fathom how many individuals that is, and it's easier to just focus on yourself, and I completely understand I'm guilty of that, as I think most of us are. But early on in the film, an expert notes that biomass on Earth has shifted over time, where earlier in our species' history, human beings made up a very, very small percentage of the biomass, and gradually, between people and livestock and owned animals that people control, that group makes up about 99%, according to this expert, of all biomass on Earth, with only 1% being left as wild animals. And while we may be great at feeding ourselves and taking care of our species, people aren't infallible. I don't think we're always great at managing our resources. A lot of people leave lights on, leave stoves on, waste various resources, don't appreciate what they have. And so when you put a single species, however intelligent or amazing we might be, in control of that much of the Earth's resources, I think that's where you develop an issue. Because not everyone cares about sustainability, not everyone cares about other people, maybe not even other races of people. And so you get into an ethical dilemma where I would say that sustainability is important, but other people say it's not. There was one cattle farmer who even said that for him, profitability would make sustainability important, and that if something was not profitable, he wouldn't care as much about sustainability. So how do you think the film paints the relationship between sustaining our planet and human interests around the globe? First of all, I think the film really highlights the importance of sustainability, because as you mentioned, there are a lot of people on this planet and a lot of people that need to be fed, a tremendous amount of people that need to be fed. And one of the points that the film tries to make, their argument is that if you eliminate eating meat, that you can reduce the size of land needed to produce food for humans significantly. And so I think that's where the sustainability piece plays in there. The film tried to focus sustainability efforts on agriculture. They believed that there were all these organizations that were looking at CO2 emissions and saying that this is enough we're being sustainable and really patting themselves on the back and saying, this is what we're fighting for, fighting for sustainability. But the argument in this film is that that isn't anywhere near enough. And having meatless Mondays is not anywhere near enough. And in fact, it's detrimental was the argument because it makes you feel as if you're being sustainable. So I think the larger argument in this film is that sustainability is the most important thing, but we can't let our need to be proud of our sustainability efforts to date 
limit us and keep us from being able to actually get to the sustainability targets that we need to get to. And that requires a much larger overhaul, was the argument from this film. That overhaul is getting rid of meat. And I'm really glad that you mentioned pride, because I think emotion plays into a big part of sustainability, not only in what you can motivate people to do, but the social element is really apparent to me as well. Because if I stop eating meat, and for full disclosure, I don't really eat that much meat, and I don't eat any fish, but I do still eat some meat, and I'm not claiming that I am vegetarian or vegan. But if I stop eating meat altogether, and I remember how good it tastes, and I do think there are certain psychological factors that tell us there's protein, there's fat, that tastes amazing, you should devour that. If I see you, Leland, eating a steak or anything with meat on it, and I know that I don't get to enjoy that, I think that's one of the reasons that people continue to eat meat and honestly, in other examples, engage in vices or potentially unhealthy behavior because you don't want to feel like you're left out. And it's very understandable. People feel like they are cheated if others get to behave recklessly, but they're expected to follow the rules. And I'm not saying that meat is a vice in the traditional sense, but it may be, according to the film, in an ecological sense. At various points, they talk about selflessness. And I think that ecological selflessness might be admitting to yourself that some of the things you most enjoy eating and consuming as a human being are not healthy for the planet, for future generations of both humans and other species. And when talking about the things we indulge, the film didn't discuss this, but I was left thinking about how we consume food as luxury after the film was over. For example, we eat desserts, we make beverages that may not have much nutritional value, we produce fast food and candy bars that again are not there so much to nourish us but to gently satiate us and often make us even less healthy. And so I'm intrigued by the fact that as a species, we don't even seem like we are the most efficient with our nutrition. We do not eat just what we need. Many of us overeat, even if it's not to excess. And like I was saying, we produce and consume foods that are not nutritionally necessary. Does our species, which enjoys food in a variety of ways and for a variety of reasons, have any hope of making such a massive change like eliminating meat entirely, given our emotional relationships and our social preferences for food? I think that's a great question, Kip. My first reaction to that is no, because I don't think we could eliminate the notion of eating meat from our diets. However, I'm optimistic because another thing that this film mentioned briefly, but they mentioned, was a new phenomenon, which is creating plant-based meat alternatives. And I see that as being the most feasible way, at least in my mind, of creating a change. Because that would allow for the social construction of our society, as you sort of mentioned, to remain somewhat intact while also achieving the end goal, at least of this film as portrayed by this film, of eliminating the need for meat and therefore benefiting our environment. Because I do think that, first of all, change is incremental. To imagine a world without meat requires a big jump. And I think it would be one that you'd be able to see in smaller steps as we progressed. But I definitely think there are a lot of barriers to that. There's industries involved. There are people's jobs involved. There's people's livelihoods involved. There's people's diets involved. And there's tremendous change associated with that. But I also don't think that there's an understanding of the statistics behind it anyway. 
I'm not even thoroughly convinced that the statistics that were shown to me in this film are fully corroborated. And so it will be difficult to convince people, A, that those statistics are legitimate, if they are, and B, that this change is so important, as this film suggests, that they need to change the entire way that they live and, for many people, change entire industries. And personally, I also think a good way of dealing with this, and this was mentioned in the film as well, would be if there truly is externalities associated with meat production, then the best way to get consumers to take that into account, at least from an economic standpoint, would be to add those externalities to the cost of the product. And they mentioned this. They said, I don't remember the exact numbers, but they basically said, instead of your carton of eggs being $3, it would be $10 to account for the environmental consequences associated with the production of those eggs. And that could follow for any product that would have those externalities. And I think that would, at least from an economic standpoint, compel people to make those decisions, taking those externalities into account. And the one way that they wanted to tackle that was by taking on the notion of agricultural subsidies and the incredible amount of subsidies that we do give to the agricultural sector. And of course, capitalism, for all of the evils that many find in it, does maintain that thread of economic motivation that if you take the money away from something or you make something cost more than the average consumer believes it will be worth, you will see a pretty evident change because people vote with their wallets, especially as you use the language when they are compelled to do so. Now therein lies an ethical argument about whether corporations or organizations, even those working supposedly altruistically, have the right to compel consumers to do that. And some might even argue that if consumers don't want to change, then they deserve the devastating effects that they will produce in the world because they chose that fate. But I might respond to that hypothetical argument by saying that maybe consumers don't have all of the facts. Which leads me back to your point about statistics, because you're right, there's a lot of misinformation out there and murky details that it's hard to fact check. And of course, you and I, after watching the film, did fact check and a lot of people agreed with some points and largely the global warming, which we haven't touched very much upon. But I would even add to that, it's nearly impossible, in my opinion, at various points to know the truth because so many people have their own beliefs and values, and therefore they will pursue and believe, because of certain psychological bias, information they come across which agrees with their preconceived notions. And so if you tell someone one thing they don't like, first of all, they may not talk to you again, and secondly, they might find people whose beliefs they share to offer them some form of confirmation. So at the end of the day, even documentaries like this, which could be 100% factual, are very tricky as pieces of content because different viewers with different backgrounds might not even see the same film in a sense because they come from such radically different perspectives. And having mentioned global warming, I'd really like to know what you thought about how it was portrayed in the film and how Kip Anderson described it in relationship to livestock and agriculture. Well, I was quite amazed to actually witness the beginning of the film because I thought it was a great intro in terms of it started by portraying the idea and the effects and the intensity of global warming. And I expected it to continue and praise that notion. But instead, it took that notion and said that the filmmakers believe this issue is so important, but that there's a larger issue at play here. And there's a larger factor at play here, which is the effects of agricultural production on global warming being overlooked 
and replaced by the idea that carbon emissions are the only problem. And that's the only way we can fight global warming. So the film definitely discusses global warming and it believes in global warming, if you will. But it says that the problem of global warming needs to be addressed through agriculture. So I thought it was a really interesting way of taking a look at the issue of global warming. A major point in this film is just that global warming is a tremendous issue. It is devastating our planet. It is nearly irreversible at this point. And so we need to attack the biggest source of global warming now. And this film says that it's not carbon emissions, it's agricultural production. And that is the major cultural, political, economic change that this documentary calls for. And sources that you and I consulted suggested that the data Anderson brought to the table was actually flawed and came from statistically insignificant sources of two scientists who largely inflated their data. And in fact, about 18% of all greenhouse gas emissions do come from the agricultural industries, but not the 51% purported by the film. But another claim of Anderson's that seems to check out is the idea of land use. The exorbitant amount of land that we utilize in order to support, feed, and produce livestock. Of course, we're breeding animals to be fed when arguably we could be growing vegetation that we could eat after a little preparation perhaps or cooking. And Anderson points out that on the American diet of 9 ounces of meat per day, the average American requires more acreage to produce the amount of food that they eat then is sustainable. There simply is not that much land in our country, but also in the world, to support that type of a diet for everyone. And there was even one interviewee, Howard Lyman, a former cattle rancher from Montana, who said that we could feed all of the people on earth if we converted livestock feed to food for people. And he's a really interesting figure that I'd like to come back to. But what did you think about Anderson's argument related to the acreage and the amount of land that we expend on livestock? Do you think the film accurately and effectively drives that point home? Well, I think the film did a good job of having you meet different types of farmers and different types of people to whom the land issue would be a direct effect We got to meet a number of farmers. We got to meet dairy farmers in this film. We got to meet a couple who raises grass-fed cows and see the large amount of land that they have, how they interact with the animals, what their thoughts are about land use and the animals' effects on the environment. They even went so far as to say they didn't think that there was any environmental impact associated with the animals that they had. And the husband in that couple, Eric Markegaard, talking about Brazil, actually said that, quote, well, they shouldn't be eating beef if their environment couldn't sustain it. And I think that shows a certain mentality that I'm sure he's not alone in maintaining that we aren't raising food for the world, we're raising food for our local area. And again, it gets at this idea that environmental sustainability is so hard because people have such an immediate and limited scope in their sense of how their lives interconnect with other lives. Yeah, exactly. And I think that was a tremendously important quote in the film. It gives you a good sense of the regional impacts and the regional thinking, but the worldwide effects of the problem. And another thing the film did to try to bring that land use argument home was emphasize the amount of land that we use growing crops in raising cattle toward feeding that cattle that could be used towards feeding people was the argument in this film. 
And I think that shows you the extent of the land use needed to facilitate this. And it's tremendous. And that was a major argument in this film. And an undercurrent that I noticed in the film pertains to the lengths that people, governments, and organizations are willing to go in order to protect livestock, but also profit at the end of the day. And like you said earlier, it would be difficult to change all of this instantaneously because generations and families have lived on these farms. And at this point, employees who are earning their living wages supporting livestock and these agricultural farms would all be uprooted if we were to simply stop eating meat simultaneously around the globe. And so it would have to be gradual change. But the film offers various examples that people are ruthlessly protective of this livestock to a very unsettling degree, I would say. One man notes that in Washington state, an entire pack of wolves was wiped out because they were attacking livestock, which I find interesting because it's not what you want to see happen, but those predators are behaving naturally towards prey that they could eat and consume. Elsewhere in the African continent during the 20th century, one environmentalist believed that deforestation was actually a result of elephant grazing, and so we saw footage of elephants being slaughtered, and of course that man was wrong. And for me, Howard Lyman, who I brought up earlier, is an even more vivid example because he was sued for bringing up certain information on The Oprah Winfrey Show, I believe, because he disputed the facts of the agricultural industry, and apparently that violated certain laws in place by the U.S., and so he spent hundreds of thousands of dollars settling these court disputes. And it's evident to me that we live in a country and surrounded by the influence of industries like agriculture, which one author in the film notes as being incredibly powerful with lobbies and other special interests, where speaking out, although admirable, can be very dangerous. Anderson brings up Sister Dorothy Stang, who was killed for protesting the cattle industry in Brazil. They hired a hitman, essentially, who killed her on the street. And at that point in the film, Anderson notes that he is in dangerous territory and that people really don't want you undermining their way of life, which for them may be incredibly profitable, but also as a culture, I think all of us, even if we wouldn't go so far as to murder, don't necessarily want to see contested. What do you think about this rather vicious portrayal of the purveyors and supporters of the livestock industry? I think this film helps bring to light some issues that exist within an economic model, such as the one that we have. And that is worth is determined through purchases. So as you mentioned, you mentioned a lot of the atrocities that the film portrayed, the shooting of the elephants, the elimination of many forms of wildlife to make way for the more profitable agricultural endeavors. And that is because whether consciously or not, people make the choice with their wallet that eating meat or eating food at all is more important and more worthy than saving the environment. And the only way to take that back, to try to unhinge that vehement grip, if you will, is either add the social costs to the cost of the product itself, which can be very difficult because there are lots of disagreements and lots of uncertainties around the externalities and the costs associated with the social ramifications of producing food. Or on the other side of the coin, you get people to invest more or show their support more strongly for wildlife and say, this is something that we want, that we think is important, and that we want to allocate resources for. 
And I think those are your only real options for combating this economic and social grip that agriculture has. And it's not because they're evil people. This film vilifies agriculture, but I think they embellish to make a larger point, which I respect because that's the way that stories are told and that's how you get a point across. And I don't think that these organizations, these agricultural organizations are evil, but I do think that if this is a reality and there is clearly some evidence that this is, then it's something that needs to be taken into account when making economic decisions, when making social decisions, when making cultural decisions. And that's the only way we can make a change. I completely agree. And it's also very difficult in the film's defense and in defense of the various organizations who Anderson portrays as a bit perplexed early on when he brings up livestock. They say, we don't know what their impact would be on our environment. And he's accusing them of either lying or trying to cover up something because they know exactly what's going on. But change is incredibly difficult. And not only that, I think with environmental causes, there are so many factors that it's almost impossible to address them at times. To make a comparison, cancer, which is a very apparent and urgent issue for our species, is equally difficult to tackle because various studies come out and conclude that any number of things are carcinogenic and we are surrounded by these things daily. So you might find that certain lotions or meat or your cell phone, any other electronics you use, etc., might actually be carcinogenic and therefore you don't know how to tackle those things. So at some point you might just become apathetic and say, I'll hope for the best. Similarly, I think in environmentalism, there are a number of factors and ways in which people admittedly degrade or destroy our environment. And I think it's hard for environmental groups or even Anderson to come up with a unified story to say this is the one issue we have to fight and then we're fine. And that's what I think the film struggles with, understandably, because it is a very complex issue. But ultimately, Kip Anderson reaches the conclusion that going vegan is the best thing you can do for the environment, and it is sustainable, and it is a healthy practice. He consults a doctor who is also a vegan and is very active and fit, and says that fellow vegan friends of his are equally healthy. I would have liked to see more medical support for vegan health, which is not to say that I doubt it, but I would like to know what the medical community as a larger group than simply one voice has concluded about the dietary benefits and potential drawbacks of that lifestyle choice. But what do you think about the film's conclusion in its arc of showing Kip as now a vegan, having learned all of this about agriculture? Yeah, I think one of the big difficulties that you have, just like you mentioned, is that they're presenting a very large problem and they're suggesting really rapid change, tremendous behavioral change. They're suggesting that people eliminate meat from their diet entirely, which is a big thing to suggest. I would have liked, although I don't know how this is necessarily even possible, for them to have taken a look at the problem and tried to think about ways that we could chip away at the problem. But I think the difficulty here is that with environmental change, the urgency that people feel for this issue is so immense that they don't think incremental change is enough because they think we've been trying incremental change and that it hasn't been working. So we're seeing a lot more radical approaches, more overhaul approaches, such as the one presented in Cowspiracy, to try to make the tremendous change that is needed to try to save our planet. What I do appreciate about the film is that they wanted to bring to light the environmental impacts associated with agricultural production. And I think they did a very good job of that. 
But on top of that, you also have the greenhouse gas emissions related to carbon emissions and the rest. And those things shouldn't be tossed by the wayside as well. So I would have liked for them to have finished the film by saying agricultural production is a tremendous detriment and we need to make changes there. We need to continue to make the great strides that we've been making in sustainable practices in your home turning off the lights, using less water and the like, and trying to put it all together into one behavioral picture and saying that the small changes that we make in our daily lives, eliminating or at the best, I guess, mitigating how much meat we eat and the ways that we eat, and at least taking into account what we now know, the facts that we now know, the information that we now know, trying to make a new behavior that we all take into practice to try to save our environment. Because at the end of the day, documentaries are supposed to just give you new information so you can look at the world differently and internalize that and think, am I living the way that I want to be living? Because another thing this film says is you're not a true environmentalist unless you go vegan. I don't know if I necessarily agree, but I think it was important that they said that because they're trying to make you think about what it means to be an environmentalist, what it means to care about sustainability. Because if that's something that you care about, they're suggesting that this is the behavioral change that you should make to be a better environmentalist. So that's directly right there, actions that you can take. And I always appreciate that when documentaries make actions the focus so that you can internalize it, as I mentioned, and try to find a way for you to live in a way that best reflects what you'd like yourself to be. And behavioral change is crucial to a final point I'd like to make in that this film does a great job illustrating how difficult environmental change is on a personal level as it relates to agriculture because turning off the lights or other appliances that we aren't using is a behavioral change that I think we can all get behind and that all of us understand. But choosing to not eat certain foods goes against some of our biological programming because as I said earlier, we need to eat. And for many of us, meat and similar products are immediate triggers in our minds as to their nutritional value. And we say, well, that's going to keep me well fed and give me a lot of protein and other nutritional resources for my survival. Whereas telling someone to change their diet isn't quite so easy because it's a psychological, biological, and evolutionary process to an extent that you have to counteract and say, I'm thinking of the bigger picture and working against that with my own body, which is not as easy. And so I respect anyone who's trying to make that effort and definitely anyone who succeeds. But I also think it's not quite the same as behavioral issues that don't affect the body or the mind of the individual in the way that shifting a diet could. But before we close this episode, what would you like the audience to consider after listening to this discussion? I think that this documentary calls for a consideration about how we're living on a much larger time frame. These days, especially with the way social media operates, at least for me, it's easier to think in much smaller time frames because we're constantly figuring out what's going on in the present. Because there's so much we're connected with in the present right now. So we got a lot of problems in the present. And it's difficult to take those problems in the present and say, we also need to address problems on the much longer time scale. And this is one of those things. And a lot of the other arguments made in a lot of social areas, but particularly in environmental concerns, is that this isn't something that we're necessarily feeling the total effects of yet. And that's what's so difficult to figure out. So you have to think to yourself, Yes, you have your problems today, but we also need to address these problems of the future. And it's hard to do that because you're not going to feel the total ramifications of these problems until it's too late. And these films and these scientists and these environmentalists and these producers 
are trying to get that point across that this problem is imminent and we're almost too far gone already. And so we need to start thinking longer term by changing the present. And that is immensely difficult. But I would urge our listeners to try to think beyond the present and particularly think about the ramifications that their actions will have. Because I think the true cowspiracy that they're trying to portray is that the meat that we eat, the cows that we eat, have negative effects on the environment. And people don't know that. And that's being hidden from people. Things larger than that come into play. The actions that you're taking, do they have negative effects? Are they still actions you want to take in light of those negative effects? Maybe they are. Because every action you take will have negative effects. They'll have positive effects too. But you have to take into account what those problems will be and weigh whether or not you'd like to make that choice. And so I think the facts presented in this documentary try to create a more holistic picture for the viewer. And I would hope that our listeners would take that into account when making decisions in their own lives. I agree. And I would urge listeners, especially as it relates to documentaries, to think about fact-checking and the ways in which we can become emotionally swept up by media that we consume. Because there is often, if not always, a message, an agenda, and a meaning behind that media, which I'm not saying is malevolent or manipulative, but there is a reason this movie was funded, and there is a reason that the person or the people who produced that movie or other type of media wanted to get it in front of as many eyeballs as they could, and it's worth considering what their motives are. And I would also like listeners to think about how we utilize our resources, whether effectively or inefficiently, what we do with our time, but of course, as the film brings up, our food, how we eat, what we eat, and also where it comes from. And I agree with your point, Leland, that people should be forward-thinking, and as hard as it is, especially for our generation, like you said, on social media and with various other cultural influences, to think outside of the present moment and instead actually acknowledge far-flung consequences, I would also like listeners to think about histories, where things come from. If you're looking at something on a plate, what did it take to get there? Not only in a human, agricultural, and economic sense, But historically, how did that animal evolve? What are its nutritional components? Because the food we eat today comes from food that our ancestors ate and domesticated and cultivated. And that's definitely a discussion for another day, but might be a lighter note in all of the rather sobering details that we've discussed. And Leland, I'd like to thank you very much for coming on and talking about this with me. Thanks for having me. It was a real pleasure. I'm happy to hear it. But of course, as always, we want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. So if you have any thoughts, feelings, opinions, etc., if you've seen Cowspiracy and want to tell us what you thought of the film, we'd love to hear it. You can connect with us via Twitter or Facebook, where if you like our page, you'll receive weekly updates when we post new episodes. You can also email us via strideandsaunter at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to as well as reviewing the show and sharing it with someone you think might also enjoy it or get something out of it. And as always, we thank you very much for listening. And from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark signing off.